it's my joy to be uh, involved more in leading OCC, uh, particularly while Steve Jones, our senior pastor, is on sabbatical. Um, I didn't quite navigate on how much my ears are having to do. They're holding my glasses and my microphone and my mask and not earrings today, but I know for some of you that's the reality too. So we're asking a lot of our ears. Thank you, Lord, for our ears in this season. Um, Good. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, I'd like you to start turning to Hebrews chapter 11, um, which will be our base for today. Um, And while you're doing that, if you're running and getting your Bible at home, um, I just wanted to start by saying a huge thank you to you all, both in the room and at home. Ruth, uh, I think, brilliantly started by this, this phrase, learning to live and love in a limited season. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to you all for your cooperation and your, uh, your patience with us as we've tried to learn to live and love in this limited season. I know it's been uh, just a challenge, and, and I've been really struck by your desire to keep meeting together, to stay connected, to come to the building, to stay in fellowship, and also for the breadth of expertise and new skills that we've found emerging. The tech team have been mentioned already. Uh, and many others who have just been uh, brilliant over this last season. So thank you. You're all wonderful. Uh, and I'm overjoyed to be the one who gets to say that. So that's really great. So I hope you found a Bible and found your way to um, Hebrews. So we'll be in Hebrews chapter 11, um, but we'll be moving quite broadly around the scriptures. I, I want to do something a little different this morning. Um, I want to give a broader picture of the mission of God through scripture, and then look at our mission in Oxford and beyond in the light of that. Because mission starts and ends with God. At the start of history, we see God create mankind in his own image, um, and he didn't have to make us. He chose to make us. He was perfectly sufficient in himself, and yet he desires for us to be in relationship with him. So it was his joy to create mankind. He desired us to be in relationship then, and he still desires that now, because he doesn't change. And as Lois preached two weeks ago, sin entered the world, and God has been at the work of restoring us to restoration, uh, restoring us to relationship with him since then. Uh, He's a father, as we've heard. He made us, he adopted us, he loves us, and he's paid a great price that we might know him and love him back. So we're just going to look at, in brief, at some of the highlights of God's mission through history and see the sort of mission that God's calling us to today. We can sometimes just look at the particular way in which we practice mission here at OCC, um, but I want to just give a broader sweep and then find ourselves in that. So if you've got your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11, um, and the passage is about faith, so you might think that's a bit of an odd one to talk about mission, but... I hope it will all turn out well. Um, And Andy's prayed for me, so I'm confident that it will. Um, So let's read Hebrews 11, verses 7 through to 16. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So we've got Noah. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, 
as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So we've got Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah here, that the Hebrews tells us that they lived in faith. And yet these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. My title today is We Love Our City. And this passage also speaks of a city, but not the one that we're in, a better one. And we'll see how those two relate as we go on. So the passage speaks of a number of people, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah. And each of these did things during their life by faith and are here listed as part of the story of God's great work in history. The passage then goes on to talk about more, including David and Moses and various others. So I want to just follow the writer of the Hebrews and consider some of these great men and women of God. What did they do? What did their lives look like? What did mission look like for them? And why did they get commended? So let's start with Noah. Uh, You can find his story around Genesis chapter 6 and then onwards. So Noah was basically a good man, a righteous man, but there was wickedness throughout the world all around him. So God told Noah to build an ark to save him and his family from what was coming, which was a destruction, a flood. So Noah was a great rescuer. He built a shelter from the destruction to come. And then next up, it talks of Abraham. Abraham was another good man, another righteous man. And God called him out from his homeland. He didn't know where he was going to go. Um, And he went, he obeyed God. And God promised him that he would be a father to many people, even though he was old, didn't have any children. And Abraham believed God. He had faith in the gap, as we've been encouraged this morning. And not only would he have this great group of descendants, this great nation, family, uh, but that nation would also bring blessing to many others, to many nations and peoples, and indeed to the whole world. That promise is given to his son Isaac and then his grandson Jacob. So Abraham was the father of a nation and the carrier of blessing to many. That was what God promised. And then we have Sarah. Sarah was called by God in her old age to carry a baby who would fulfill the promise made to Abraham. Sarah was going to be the great carrier of salvation, the great bringer of life and the the bearer of a new people. And the promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was, I'll make your descendants a great nation. Through your descendants, all the nations will be blessed. And then to Jacob, the promise that God will be with us. God will be with Jacob and and his descendants. Let's keep going. So Moses then, God called Moses to lead people 
out of slavery and into a new land that had been promised to them long ago, uh, out of oppression uh, under the Egyptians. So Moses was the great liberator of the Old Testament. He was also the one that God used to heal. He, uh, there was a miracle where uh, those who were ill looked to this, uh, this staff uh, of Moses, which turned into a uh, snake and were healed. So Moses was a great healer and a great liberator. And with Moses, Aaron. When God called Moses, Moses wasn't so up for going alone and speaking. So uh, God also called Aaron to help Moses to speak with him and for him. And Aaron ended up becoming the first high priest, the one who went between man and God. The passage in Hebrews also then goes on to talk about David. It says, uh, what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets and more. David was this great king of the people of Israel who God called uh, out of nothingness to be king over his people and to bring wisdom and justice in his rule. So do you see what's going on here? God calls his people throughout the history of scripture to partner with him in bringing about his great plan. That can look different. That can look like it did for Abraham or for Moses or for David or for Sarah. But the mission of God has been going on a lot longer uh, than the church of God. We can sometimes think of missions starting at um, the Great Commission at the end of the Gospels. But actually it stretches back into history uh, through these faithful ones who lived their lives in faith in obedience to God. And what I want to say this morning is that God is still in the business of calling men and women to bring life and freedom and justice uh, to his world. He's still in the business of calling people to partner with him in his great mission in the world. And then Hebrew says something really strange. It talks about these wonderful things that people did. But then it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. These, these men and women who did huge things to enable the goodness of God and the justice of God to come in this, in this world. The scriptures tell us that actually they, were, they, they only saw things in part, that there was more to come. They didn't know the end of the story. And just as we might expect that God, who was working through history in these people, he continued working even after these people, and we know the end of the story we know that Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that's a phrase from the next chapter in Hebrews, then came as the fulfillment of promise. The one who fully enacts what these great ones did in part. So Noah built an ark to rescue people from a coming destruction. And we know that looking at Noah, that he was just the forerunner of this Jesus who would save people from the coming, the coming wrath. The Bible talks of a day of judgment and Jesus is the only way to be saved from that day. Abraham was promised that he would be the father of a people and his descendants were then promised that God would use them to bless every nation and they didn't see all of that in their lives but then when Jesus came a descendant from that same family the way that all nations on earth would be blessed became clear. Jesus was sent by God to die for the sins of the world, that the whole world might be restored to relationship with God. So every nation is blessed, as Abraham could have only imagined. 
Sarah was called to carry a baby. That baby would fulfill a promise made to the people of Israel. And Jesus was the baby who fulfilled the promise of the coming Messiah, who would bring all of the rest of the promises with him. We read in 2 Corinthians 1 that all of the promises of God find their fulfillment, their yes, in Jesus. And Moses, the great liberator, the great rescuer of people, led people out of oppression, but they weren't fully free. And Jesus came and gave up his life that we might have true freedom from sin and then go on to live in that freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit. And David, this great king who lived with with righteousness and goodness, he himself acknowledged that there was a greater king coming who he described as his own Lord. So the broad the broad and brief sweep of God's work through history points forward to a moment in history which Lois preached about just two weeks ago, the gospel, the good news that Jesus has come. So like Noah, Jesus is the great rescuer. Like Abraham, Jesus is the bringer of blessing to every nation. Like Sarah, Jesus is the baby. Jesus comes as a baby who, fills a, who fulfills a promise. Like Moses, Jesus, the great liberator who frees us from sin and slavery to it. And like David, Jesus, the great king over all kings, whose throne will never end. So I wanted to unpack this because sometimes we can get, we can get caught in the particulars of how we do mission or what does evangelism look like? How do we share the gospel with our friends and family? But and, and it's true that at OCC we have a particular way that we're convicted of that, um, that mission is right to, to do in community with others, as I shared in the video. But we mustn't forget this, that the mission starts with God, and the mission is in Oxford, but it's bigger than Oxford. The mission starts with God, and it's fulfilled in Jesus. And actually, it looks like a lot of different things. And you might feel that actually your heart for the world is more about justice for the oppressed You might feel a stirring every time you hear about injustice or slavery or human trafficking. And I want to just encourage you that that's part of God's great story. That's part of God's great mission in the world. Just like Moses was the great rescuer, God is still doing that work today and he calls us to be part of that. It could be that um, actually your stirring around mission is around providing leadership and governance and wisdom in that. Just like Joseph and David did in the Old Testament. We've heard of Merrin um, and Sheridan and their, their influence in the city of Oxford. I want to encourage you that that is part of God's great mission in the world today and that we get to play a part in that because that's God's work that he calls us into. But I want to say also that beyond that, Jesus didn't just come to fulfill or complete the aspects of God's work that had started in the world uh, through the Old Testament and through the people of Israel. Throughout his life, he did something else too. So we have the mission of God and the mission of God's people. But then the mission of Jesus is not just a fulfillment of that, there's more. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry with a profound declaration. He, he declares himself to be the fulfillment of a prophecy that came 700 years earlier. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news, that gospel that Lois talked about two weeks ago, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. 
So Jesus in this moment is setting himself in the great sweep of God's redemptive work in the world, but he's also saying something new. He's saying that today is a day that good news comes to the poor and that the year of the Lord's favour has come, that all of these things that have begun, they find their completion in him. And then Jesus sets out, not just doing all of the things that others have done, fulfilling promises and leading people into freedom and healing people, or you know, demonstrating justice and goodness, but he also sets out pointing to himself. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. So he doesn't just do the works of um, mission, he points to himself as the fulfillment of mission. So the mission of God after Jesus is not just participating in these great works that God has been involved in from the start of history. It becomes about also pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment of the promise, as the completion of these ways of doing mission. So what does this mean for us in our context? In our city, we love our city. This last season has been a huge challenge. That's no surprise for any of us. And actually, it, it could feel strange to think of, okay, how do we, how do we go and, and continue to reach the world and participate in God's mission in this season where we're just about coping? But I, I felt as I was preparing that God wants to start to lift our heads, actually, as this, as this sort of intensive season of lockdown has ended, and we're now sort of re-emerging into September, new academic year, and, and all that this new year brings. I was reading an update from one of our overseas mission, uh, one of our overseas friends who's serving in Central Africa, um, Jack and Claire. And Jack said something really quite, uh, which I which I found challenging. And I felt that there was a there was a word for us um, today. Uh, so in Jack's words, he he was saying that over the last season they've been taken with pastoral and personal situations. Um, they've been forming team again and that their focus has been on those pastoral and personal needs he says at times at the expense of keeping the vision front and center for the most part we are now through this phase he says we have stabilized and normalized as a team we are now looking to build momentum towards bearing fruit and the focus is slowly shifting away from trying to get settled towards trying to get moving trying to get settled towards trying to get moving This is exciting, but we are moving out of our comfort zone. We are exploring areas we need to grow in as leaders to shoulder new responsibilities and opportunities that lie before us. So Jack's been sensing this stirring that, you know, the last season has been about stabilization and just making sure that we're all okay. But I sense this morning that God wants to start to lift our heads again to his work in the world and to find our place in that mission. So, how, so what does this look like for us? We, we love our city and, uh, and we, we love being involved in this city. Many of us arrived here with a sense of purpose and direction and vision. And actually that's not grown cold over many years. Um, many of us are involved in a whole range of different involvements. So healthcare and business and education and scientific research and financial stewardship and leadership in the city in different ways. And actually the the, the story of us partnering with God in his mission in the world encompasses all of that. It involves seeking the good of the city and 
uh, and expecting that God's goodness will come here. And that's part of it, just as we've seen Moses and Abraham and others served in, in those similar ways. And yet in Hebrews it says that while they were serving in their city, they were desiring a better one. We love Oxford, but do you ever desire a better place? Do you ever desire a better city? Do you ever look around and just wish things were fairer, more just, more beautiful, less violent, less divisive? Are you longing for something else or some place else? And there's an encouragement here that the great men and women of faith through history um, are with you in that. They loved their place and they served, but they were keeping their eyes on the goal. And I feel God's lifting our eyes again this morning to see not just the reality of personal situations, but to just start to imagine again, what does, what does partnering with him and his mission look like? I want to encourage you that there's space for different aspects of that. So whether you're, um, whether you're serving in, uh, in leading or in governance, doing that with integrity and wisdom and justice, that's part of God's mission in the world. Whether, like Moses, you're bringing liberation and you're working for justice, you're working in the charity sector, or, you're, or you feel a stirring around those things of justice, there's space for that in the mission of God. But then for all of those who come after Jesus, it involves not just finding our place and finding how what we're working on fits into the mission of God, but also pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment and the promise. Part of the Apostle Paul's story of mission was that he, he found the privilege of going to places where the gospel, the name of Jesus, had never been preached. And bringing the light and hope that the gospel brings. We have friends in far-flung places right now, friends like Jack and Claire and Ben and Michelle doing just that. But they're not just doing that, they're digging wells, they're starting businesses, they're working on languages, they're improving public health. They're involved in all of these aspects of of God's great mission, but they're pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment of that promise. So I want to encourage you that wherever your place is in God's mission, that whatever your place is in God's mission, you can, you can find it, and you can also point to Jesus in that context. Um, at the beginning of lockdown, um, Michelle shared a video on Facebook. Michelle Price is one of our friends serving in West Africa. And as lockdown eased, she put this video up, and she shared an encouragement. She said... Um, As lockdown eases and life returns to normal, don't forget those for whom isolation doesn't end, for whom lockdown is a way of life, not just a temporary season. And I asked Michelle if I could share that um, with you, and and she was was well up for that. And and then she said, but don't just remember us with sympathy. Don't just remember, remember us with pity. Remember us with faith. We want faith-filled partners. She was, she was encouraging us that actually, for those people who have been living in isolation for the persecuted church around the world, there's, there's been this cry, this roar, this worship that's been stirring for many years now. And actually, one day that will be unleashed, and we will marvel at the quality and the richness of that worship that comes from the church around the world. So I want to encourage you not to just feel sorry for those around the world who 
um, who are in isolation and lockdown or in persecution, but that you stand with them in faith. Um, and a specific thing, Michelle asked, if anyone's got prophetic words for new believers in their town, that you can share, like, please share those because uh, they want to be encouraging their believers. They're seeing God's, God's work. They're part of his great story. So Michelle's seen that there's this new city coming. They're, they're living in the reality, but they're also looking ahead. Likewise, Jack and Claire are serving now, but they're looking ahead. Can you feel the sense of, mi- of vision and purpose and direction from Jack and Claire and Ben and Michelle and others? There's something here that we should learn in our own context. We're, our city is no less in need of God's goodness, God's justice, God's salvation. And we have more people, more resources, more freedom uh, to see that happen. So I just want to share a few responses. Firstly, what is your part in God's great mission? I want, I want you to consider the family of God who have gone before in that. If you work in healthcare, bringing healing and wholeness to others like Moses did or like Jesus did. If you're in leadership or in, in places of influence like we've heard Merrin is, I want to encourage you that there's, there's, his, there's family history that can help us as we look to live out the mission of God in our world. If that is you, read the story of Joseph. I can think of few better encouragements to faithfulness and warning of the sort of trials and temptations that you might find in looking to lead people in that way. You might be in the waiting. Actually, there's stories in our family history, in, in the scriptures, of how people found faith in the gaps in that waiting. So I want to encourage you to find your place in that story. And then a specific encouragement. Do you need to go? Not, not right now, but do you need to go overseas? If you, if you felt a stirring from God, as I spoke about those who are serving in places that have never heard the gospel, where his name has never been heard... I want to encourage you to come and speak to me or Andy or Dan who are involved in our missions team. We'd love to connect you up with some of those serving overseas and think about training and equipping you to go. There are a few greater privileges than to preach the gospel where it's never been heard. And actually in this season of no travel, it's a great opportunity to connect with what God's doing around the world. So is God calling you to go? Or is God calling you to support those who have gone overseas, those who uh, are serving elsewhere, supporting them in prayer, in friendship, financially, remembering them and, and standing with them in faith? If anyone has any encouragement or prophetic words for the believers that Ben and Michelle are discipling, then do share them with, with us and we'd love to pass them on. So I want to encourage you, we're all called to mission We're all called to find our place in this great mission of God that's been going on through history and to find our names added to the list of faithful ones that we read in Hebrews. And that's not just serving in our different ways, it's also pointing to Jesus, the fulfilment of the promises that that those ones in Hebrews didn't yet see. So we love our city, we love Oxford, but we also long for a better city and we're committed to pointing to Jesus who Uh, who makes that promise of a better city possible. So let's find our place in the mission of God.